Welcome, everybody. This is another Patreon episode. Thank you for joining us, as we say on the other podcast, Behind the Paywall. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we are going to be talking about digital versus physical releases in gaming and all therein. Um, Mike, yeah. this was a topic that you wanted to discuss most of all. Uh, can you tell us why? Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's something that comes up a lot these days. Um you know, I was interested in some uh, games that were coming out digitally, and then I started seeing things were showing up with uh, groups like um, Limited Run was the big one, I think, to get started. Yeah. Limited Run yeah. games. Um, and then I started seeing some others, I think, like Strictly Limited and stuff. And the, with the Switch being such a massive <laughs> beast, you know, in terms of sales, I think that a lot of other people have tried to get in on this and uh, have produced you know, indie games for the Switch. And uh, it's really just been very interesting to me because I've gone back and forth through the years. Um, you know, I, I I know you had a similar experience of having to move around. So yeah. when I was, you know, I grew up in the 90s, well, the, the 80s and the 90s. I was, I was born in 79. <laughs> so yeah. I, uh, it was it was all physical media. And it was a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> it was a lot of difficulty because I went to a boarding school for high school. So I was constantly back and forth between uh, New York and Pennsylvania. I was moving like everything all the time <laughs> for every right. little vacation to go home. And then, you know, the end of the school year. And then I got to go back in a couple of months and move into a new dorm and all that. And then I did the Michael, same. Michael, why do you have so many goddamn video games? Yeah, I can just hear your I can hear your family. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. What is all this stuff? Why do you have so much stuff? My god. We borrowed Aren't you the too band. old for this yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, and CDs, man. So like Yeah. That to me, like I, I was just always looking for ways to streamline this stuff. So my CDs, I had hundreds of CDs. I was buying albums as often as I could with what little money I had. There was a nice little like CD and record exchange in town when I was in high school. What kind school. of music do you listen to, by the way? I listen to a whole lot of everything, but growing up, I really only listened to rap. It was okay. uh, like, it's basically, I was watching Reading Rainbow one day and <laughs> all of a sudden this rap came on about books and I just like stood up out of the chair and I was like staring at the screen, completely mesmerized, listening to this. And my sister was like, do you like that? And I was like, yeah, what, what is that? She was like, maybe That's rap music. <laughs> and I was like, I think this is really good, you know? And she made me a mixtape and stuff. And the, the, the rap about books on reading rainbow was run DMC. Oh shit. So, okay. The funny thing is I relayed this story to, uh, to DMC when I went to Comic-Con a few years back and uh, it just you, like his whole crew was cracking up because I was just like, I just want to tell you a story. <laughs> and I told him about how I watched Reading Rainbow as a kid. And I was like, I can't oh, because he charges like $80 to get in there and I can't, I, I, you know, but I was able to just walk up to DMC and say, what's up? So I told him and it was a good time. But That's yeah, awesome, so man. I listened to only rap really growing up, but then well, I say growing up, but there's my really young years, um, probably about seventh grade. I started branching out into other types of music and stuff. 
um, listening to rock and then alternative came on strong, you know, like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and all that. Right, right, right. I started really branching out. And when I went to high school, there were people from like all over the world and all over America. And I was just like, yo, there's so much to hear. The big stuff my freshman year of high school for me was Nine Inch Nails, uh, Rage Against the Machine. I would say those. Oh, and Beck. Beck's uh, first album, uh, Mellow Gold. Those were those were big ones for me. That that was a hell of an album, man. Yeah. Good times with that. So, yeah, so I bought all these CDs, right? And what I would do was I was like, I can't carry all this stuff back. And that's when I started getting rid of the cases. I started getting rid of the artwork. And I was doing whatever I could because, like, yeah, the Super NES cartridges were big. The Genesis cartridges were taking up space. And I just started streamlining streamlining everything because I didn't have enough space. What was I going to do with it? And that never really stopped being a problem for me because I went to college and then I went to Japan and then I came back from Japan and then I went to Japan again and then I came back and then I moved out to another place and then I moved to another place. I was constantly on the move. I was always renting or something. So like I never had a lot of space. So mm-hmm. for me, the the idea that I could start getting things digitally was really appealing because I was like, then I don't have to worry about where to store this stuff. Um, right. But eventually I started to miss it. I, I started to miss the the physical act of like picking up a cartridge and putting it in the system or picking out the disc and putting it in. And, uh, you know, so I started to get into it a bit, but then things changed again in the, in the video game industry. Um, and like everything was like a day one patch of X number of gigs. And it felt like there was no point anymore to me having a disc. And I just, right. It was just like, if I was going to have to download all this stuff on day one, well then what's, what's the point? Right. That's true. It's not actually on the disc itself. It's not on that physical thing anymore. Like, right. So like, you know, it's a lot of it anyway. Like we were, we were talking about, um, revenge of Shinobi, uh, the time, right. And there were different versions of that released. Um, and so I'm glad that I had like the original version on the cartridge, but it's long since gone. I sold it along with, uh, all my Genesis games and super Nintendo games to buy a PlayStation back in junior year of high school. I really right. regretted that for a while. It was a tough one, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but yeah, like now the games, like you kind of want the more up-to-date version. So it's, it's this issue that that's what really brought it to mind was like this whole life experience of trying to go back and forth and just dealing with the physicality of all of these goods and trying to manage my huge game library and still make it back and forth between countries and not have things stolen or damaged. It's never easy. Um, so with my situation, I mean, as you can see, I Mm -hmm. am surrounded by physical media. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not against it. I mean like an empty room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got it all over the place. I've got even like super Famicom games and shit here. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, you know, but it wasn't always like this, Mike, um, <laughs> whatever <laughs> I, I mean, when I was a kid, I was do- I was a doctor's kid. So when it was like Christmas or and mm-hmm. I had two brothers. So like we had most of the systems and we got all the games because it was the 90s. There was no internet. Or even when there was, you weren't downloading PS1 games on it and shit. You know yeah. what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. 
we had i grew up with physical of course and a lot of it if you can buy me and my brothers and every time a new system would come out we'd sell it all and get the new system you know i remember there was one time when we sold our virtual boy and we sold like just a ton of shit and the guy software etc which was like our babbages was like our yeah i remember that place. it was like uh they were like this is quite a collection i remember him saying that so <laughs> yeah. um you know i grew up with it a lot um in college since i was a doctor's kid i never thought like i didn't have a lot of stuff mm -hmm. i always thought like i had more than most yeah. but when i got to college it kind of felt like at least the guys i was hanging out with yeah they had so much shit in their rooms it was like this times five <laughs> two to five times as much i'm not kidding like they were well, one one of the guys kind of like a hoarder mm -hmm. but it's just a bunch of shit and like they were like oh you, you go to two you go to best buy on tuesdays to get the dvd releases and i didn't even know fucking tuesday was the dvd release day oh i was you know one of those I mean? guys I knew the release yeah. days of different media. <laughs> I had absolutely no idea. And I never thought I, you know, went without. And I, I mean, I, I really didn't, mm -hmm. but yeah, fucking um, compared to these guys and they weren't like rich per se. They were, they had just never sold anything and they kept all mm -hmm. their shit. So that was part of it. But like in college, I didn't have shit. And then when I went to Japan, I had less shit. And <laughs> Also in college, I've said this before, but that was my video game dark dark age where mm -hmm. I never owned a PS2 or a GameCube or an Xbox One or what was right after it's like Xbox One had a weird timeline. The it Xbox lasted, One came out I think in like November 2001. I know I saw it yeah. at TGS in uh in 2001. So I'm not okay. sure. It might have been 2002 because I was I was in Japan, so I didn't actually get one until I got back to America in 2002. Okay, but it seems like it ran alongside PS1 and PS2 because 360 was the next one, right? And that was PS3. Yeah, because the uh, the PS2 came out I think in 2000. It might have been 2000. late 2000. 2000. My senior yeah. year of college was 2000 2001. I think it came out like in November 2000 in America. So yeah, there was so, still overlap with the PS1. That revamped version got put out. Uh, that was probably like, I don't know, 2001, 2002. Okay. That nice small yeah, version. So I missed all that. Um, I mean, I would play it in my friends, uh, you know, friends' dorms and shit. Um, mm -hmm. Man, GameCube is definitely the lost system for me. I hated that controller. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, not a fan. I just... it. it it was all about Metroid Prime for me. Everything else was just like, okay. Yeah, people have a lot of fond memories of that. They love it. They want to buy that controller for Switch and shit, which I don't understand, but whatever. I guess mm -hmm. nostalgia is king. But, yeah. um, you know, I went a long time without having anything. Man, I was poor, so poor in my 20s. And then for a lot of my, for like half of my 30s, man, like, it, I had freedom, but like when you knew me in Japan, I was pretty mm -hmm. poor. I didn't have anything. I was living paycheck to paycheck for years, years and years and years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And uh, so I didn't buy shit generally. And I finally got a PS3 in Japan and an Xbox 360. Anyway, <laughs> cut to now I have a bunch, but I don't, you don't buy that much 
new physical shit because dude how easy how lazy are we i do not want to walk to the system <laughs> and change out the disc i want to change am, it in the menu absolutely with you and it's just like i see how different my life is now so the thing is i'm i recently moved into a house right so now like yeah. i have more than one floor i have space so i have I have a system here and then a system upstairs because we use them as media devices too, you know? And it's just like, well, if I want to go back between the two devices, I want the easiest way to do it, which is digital ownership. And the, and the company that does digital ownership the best, hands down, is Microsoft. They just straight right. up embarrass Sony and Nintendo's like not even at the party. They're like, what are you guys talking about? It's Nintendo's insane. making billions off little kids. They're just not even competing. Yeah, like they know they're like, we're always going to we're always going to be able to get like a certain youth market and they'll stick with us for however long. And hopefully, you know, stuff hits. I think the Wii U should have hit much better than it did. I thought it had some great offerings. But yeah, it's it's just. Nintendo goes and makes their own rules and does whatever the hell they want. And everybody supports them for it somehow or other. <laughs> they made a green monochrome screen. That was one of the best, best selling systems of all time. You know, dude, they just, was, they know oh. what they're doing. <laughs> I was, you remember, we, I think we talked about this. It, it was, uh, I think in Matt Alt's book where he talks about Gunpei Yokoi feeling like sick to his stomach, worried about the performance of the Game Boy. And I was like, he absolutely should have felt that anxiety because that was terrible hardware. I did not want it as a kid. I remember looking at it and being like, why would I play this? I'd rather wait till I got home. <laughs> Simple as that. I mean, like I've said before, my town was heavily Nintendo oriented. It felt like, and everyone had a mm -hmm. Game Boy. And Mario was great. Kirby was great. Even with the the Zelda was great. Like their their fucking software was awesome. So even with that screen, yeah. And plus, it was most people's first portable. So you kind of were like, eh, I'll just deal with the with the green screen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I just I couldn't believe. I remember being a kid and just being like. Does nobody have standards? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. Well, you had the Turbo Duo fucking portable deal. Yeah, the Turbo Express. Yeah. And I had the Atari Lynx that I used to uh, play California games on while I watched 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Good times, <laughs> man. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. <laughs> I was I multitasking, not paying attention back in the day. <laughs> Oh, I, I actually did have a Lynx like way late in the game. Like I think after it had already died, but mm. just to have it. But I don't I never played a game I liked on. I don't think I had California games. <laughs> the surfing in California games on the Lynx was somehow the best version. I don't know why. Like I've tried to go back and play other California games just being like, oh, I love the surfing. And then being like, this isn't very good. This isn't I can't do the cool so, spins easily like I could on the Lynx. Like, just yeah. No, no. Same, I guess huh? that's if if you guys are in the market for uh, California games, I recommend the Lynx version, best version, <laughs> just so you can get the best yeah. surfing version. But it's been so long, maybe it's not that great, and I have to go back to it. But I'll just let it live in my memory. <laughs> so with the with the physical releases too, man, like the mm -hmm. shelf porn is huge. Like that was a 
that's one of the best parts just having it on your shelf you know everybody <laughs> likes to have their shit on their shelf you know their trinkets so i understand yeah. that i love that limited run is doing what they're doing actually the hyper x mm -hmm. podcast um network um that's mm -hmm. run in some part by jerry parish which is works at or maybe even owns or whatever for limited run mm -hmm. in north carolina it's a fucking north carolina company but they're yeah, doing yeah. great work i cannot believe they fucking re-released uh crypt killer uh that was like a sega cd <laughs> yeah. 32x game which lived on in my memory but i thought i was the only one that knew about that fucking game <laughs> like no one yeah. ever talked about it and that was re-released and fucking um plumbers don't wear ties for 3do they're releasing yeah i had never heard of that and so they they did that re-release and i was like what are we talking about here <laughs> that was an adults only game i think that's another patreon episode where we talk i think that i think that was adults <laughs> only so yeah. i remember seeing ads for that or something i remember looking into it on early internet maybe uh mm -hmm. you know so <laughs> Yeah, like I'm I'm what I'm gonna run is doing is amazing. And the other yeah. thing is all these this is kind of tangential almost, but the physical releases for the indie world where the indie developers mm -hmm. make a game for Genesis or whatever, like there's yeah. an indie there's an indie release world for Neo Geo CD. There's a fucking new Neo Geo CD release this month, I think yeah can you that's, fucking believe that it's so cool it really is like i remember i think the first time i i knew that dreamcast games were still getting produced here and there and this is like before the sort of current uh revitalization of the physical media and all uh like i think Sturmwind or something came along and just through the years because the dreamcast died prematurely it was getting support from these indie developers but when i saw the recent resurgence i think was xenocrisis is that the name of the game it was a genesis Maybe. game and it showed up on xbox and it showed up on all the systems and stuff and I, I really enjoyed that game i thought it was really well made uh i kind of wished that i could play it on a crt in a classic style but that's, right i was perfectly happy to play it on the xbox it came on game pass so that's cool yeah i mean there's that there's that full-on looking like a triple a 16-bit game called pure solar solar pier yeah. or whatever that yeah. was like a late release gen super late like a couple years ago late uh <laughs> genesis game um i think even jaguars got that scene and they're releasing physical media don't i mean maybe they're 3d printing the cartridges or they kind of erase a shitty games data and put their <laughs> new game their new game on that because i don't know how they're doing all that that part yeah i don't know that's I, I'm surprised because I don't know how many people own a Jaguar. I mean, all those systems, dude, but Jaguar, especially because it was, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of production. Like there was probably a hundred thousand or more SNES cards yeah. across the globe, but Jaguar, you know, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, man, it's just amazing that physical media lives on in that way. I would, I just yeah. wouldn't, a new neo geo cd game that's fucking crazy dude i can't believe it yeah but like so this is the thing right so why is physical media doing so well now right and we've seen you know in other forms of entertainment right the record 
right? The, the vinyl is just, it's huge. The sales for vinyl are insane and they're so expensive, but people, there's something to it. People really enjoy and appreciate that physical experience. There's, there's something to the analog experience of putting the needle on the record, hearing that sound come through the speakers. Well, with vinyl, that makes more sense than games in a sense, mm -hmm. because vinyl sounds better. There's no there way is. around it. <laughs> it is the best sounding medium to this day. Mm -hmm. CD MP3 is close, close second, but it's missing some sort of warmth or something. If it's, if it's, if it's, uh, what you call it, if it's, if it's electronic music, it's, you're not going to hear much of a difference, but if, if, it, mm -hmm. if it's a, something with timbre in it, something with a certain, certain kind of atmosphere, especially if you have good speakers, uh, and a, and a record player, like there's nothing better. I grew up with listening to my mom's record player. My mom has mm -hmm. a big record collection. Um, looking back now, I, I feel like a lot of people kind of miss out on that. If their parents doesn't, didn't listen to music that much, like yeah, that was, a, so that was, was really key. Like we had my house. We didn't really have, we had tapes mostly. So I did okay. listen to tapes a lot. Um, and I recognize there's a difference in even like FM versus the playing a CD in the car. Somehow or other, while the CD sounds clearer, FM feels strangely more alive. And I don't know why. I, I've never been much of an audiophile. I actually that's prefer probably... lo-fi stuff in a lot of ways. A lot of people do. Uh, that's true. I mean, the, uh, dude, there's like a preference in... Okay, so <laughs> we're going off the course here. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll bring it back to physical in a second. In black metal specifically, mm -hmm. there's a real preference for lo-fi, uh, mm. at least for some, there's, there's even subgenres of black metal. So lo-fi black metal is a sub sub genre. And wow. that's because the, the original Norwegian, some of the original Norwegian guys recorded that way. They got the shittiest mics they could. It was all really lo-fi on purpose. <laughs> and they're also kind of against playing with a, uh, in front of huge crowds. Like it's real fucking pretentious, but there's something to it mm -hmm. live in a more personal yeah. uh, setting. Uh, but uh, it's all on cassette tapes too. Like a there's a preference for cassette tapes. And for me coming from my generation, mm -hmm. I understand, I understand the lo-fi or the great sound of vinyl and I understand CDs, but cassettes there's, there's almost <laughs> nothing good about it. There's nothing good about it at all. But some people like that. They really want that sound. Yeah, I was really surprised to see that cassettes were getting attention these days at all. Like whenever... So, um, it's not John a reliable Stewart, physical medium either. Uh, yeah, people prefer that cassette sound, man. And I find that... Oh, what I was going to say was John Stewart, whenever he was first mm -hmm. talking about Instagram on Daily Show, mm -hmm. he didn't get why people would want the old photo look on Instagram mm -hmm. because the way he grew up, it was better to see things move in this direction, but he didn't have any nostalgia like we have and people <laughs> yeah. younger than us for that older sound. So I feel like that's how people younger than us might see cassettes. I'm mm -hmm. not really sure. And we're the John Stewart of cassettes. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I loved them back then. I used them to record stuff off the radio while I played Ghostbusters on the Genesis. But, like, <laughs> you know, it's it's not a medium that I'm really happy to go back to. I don't want to rewind anything. I don't want to. No. Yeah. MP3s are very convenient for me. <laughs> I love them. Yeah. But I think that I think this is something I was trying to get at a little before. Where, like, I think people have 
a lot of people have come to realize this, the lack of ownership and that you have these terms of service when you deal with the digital thing. So like I buy a game from Steam, I buy a game from uh, Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo. Technically, I'm licensing it and it's at the discretion of the owner of the license if they want to just cut me off from it. Now, we know, you know, that there's a consumer angle here. Um, I think that I didn't go back and research this. I should have, but uh, Microsoft had a uh, an MP3 service. Do you remember this, the Zune? Yeah, that was made fun of in Guardians of the Galaxy. Right, but they had a marketplace. It was just, There was no reason for it to not be a competitor, a serious competitor. It's, right. it's just weird. It's weird how people perceive brands and all that crap. It's just, yeah. The Zune Were, you perfectly... Zune? Were you no, a Zooner? No, I didn't have one because I had bought an iPod prior to that. But if I hadn't yeah. had one, I probably would have said like, yeah, I'll take a Zune. What do I care? It's an MP3 it was, player. It was timing, man. And this was the time whenever Apple was really uh, hitting its stride. Um, yeah. You had those like colorful fucking early 2000s iMacs out. The new iMac OS was great. It had yeah. absolutely no viruses. Um, you know, their hardware <laughs> was great. Like they, they, you know, and the iPod really took right the fuck off. And so the zoom tried to compete, but it just couldn't dude. It was, it's, but it was, they were just it had was such a really nice iron hardware. Grip. It had a nice operating system. It, honestly, like if I had it to start over again, I probably would have just said like, yeah, I think the zoom is nicer than the iPod I have, but the iPod was already there. I already had it. What was I? I wasn't going to bother to go and change everything over. But what happened was when Microsoft said, we're we're pulling out of this business now, that's it. I'm pretty sure that they actually refunded people the money spent on their libraries. So we've seen from Microsoft, say, for example, with the 360 Red Ring of Death and all, is that they are willing to do right by the consumer. Not that they would be willing without the consumer's demand, but they know like... Hey, if we don't do right by that, we're kind of SOL here. So like, I know that they can revoke my license, but I feel pretty comfortable with a company like Microsoft. I don't feel comfortable with Nintendo. I think that Nintendo will just willy nilly be like, yeah, we're we're stopping that. Like the 3DS eShop and all that stuff with CR now. And Sony, they tried to cut us off just recently, right? Like multiple times. The PSP store. Yeah, like they were trying to do all these things and people were like, you you can't do that. So like, so, it's funny. Wait, because- I, need, I need this explained to me beat by beat. So basically you're saying that as soon as the store dies, you can't even download games that you've bought. Is so that what it, it is? It depends. It depends, right? It's at the company's discretion. And this is part of the terms of service that we agree to, right? When you, when you say like, oh, I'm going to buy this digital album from you or a digital game. I agree. I agree. Check the box. I'm not going to read the 40 page legal document. The legal document says over the course of those 40 pages, like we're not liable for anything. You're, you're merely licensing the use of this. Uh, it can be revoked at any time for whatever reason at the discretion of the license holder, that kind of thing. And that's all legalese talk. So like, I don't think it's even really necessarily fair to expect that the average consumer in any country is going to understand the kind of language that goes into these contracts. I really do think it's unfair. I think they should be written in a way that the layman can understand, right? And of course, the most pertinent information should be right at the top. 
But I think that people who are really into physical media now um, are the ones who recognize that this is a problem and that these corporations have the right to take away anything that you've purchased at any time. You don't own anything. You're really, you're renting it indefinitely. Mike, I got to tell you, this is all news to me, bro. I did not know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know this was a thing. I suspected it maybe, but I didn't know this was actually happening. I thought maybe they would keep some sort of server up to where you you couldn't buy new games because the store mm -hmm. was gone, but you could uh, download the games that you had bought from them. So that's the thing, right? The company gets to set that. In the case of um, in the case of Microsoft, that's been true, right? Like I've been able to do that. Unfortunately, say like Marvel versus Capcom two, right? I bought that uh, digitally on the 360. I have it. It's in my library. I have the rights to it still, even though it's been delisted. But I don't have a 360, and that game doesn't have BC support, so I can't do anything with it. It's unless I buy another 360. I can connect my 360 to the internet and download that game. I can re-download it. Steam, uh, Valve did a great job with that because they were really the first. They were the big pioneers in this digital marketplace. You know, they were the ones really making a difference with it. Um, they basically will say like, yeah, we're going to make sure you still have access to your games. So Outrun 2 or Outrun Coast to Coast 2006, that's been delisted because the Sega doesn't have the license to Ferrari anymore. Oh my God. But I still have access to the game. It's still in my library because Steam, that's Steam's policy. But recently, uh, Ubisoft tried to delist some Assassin's Creed game. I don't know. There's like 400 now. And yeah. people were like, oh, well, you know, it gets delisted, but like I paid for it already. So I still have it. And Ubisoft was telling Valve that they needed to remove it entirely from the person's library <laughs> and, and people got upset. And so they had to backtrack on that, but that's it. Like, that's what I'm saying is we, we kind of, it has to be consumer angst that, that makes sure that we can hold on to this, <laughs> that we continue to have digital access to these things that we don't really own because this, it's just a bad look. It's a bad look for them. They know I, that oh, if man. they take, if they take it away, according to the rights by the contract that we've all agreed to by purchasing digital stuff and not reading their 40 pages of blah, blah, that they're going to have a problem. <laughs> People just aren't going to buy from them in the future. People are going to be pissed. People are going to put together a class action lawsuit. And while that doesn't really help each average consumer, it gets the message out there and it hurts the company big. Usually it's just the lawyers pay out, really. It's not so much the you know individuals. But that's what we kind of have to rely on. And in this case, I feel like Microsoft is the only console uh, manufacturer that I have any real faith in to do right by anyone in the future. But the funny thing is now we're seeing Microsoft go for this for Game Pass, which is kind of the Netflix approach of like nobody owns anything at all. And and you know that that game is going to go out of rotation. Oh, yeah, especially if you're playing like I was thinking about this, if you're playing an RPG mm -hmm. and then like you have to kind of let's say you're like 90 hours into a game and then it goes offline the next day. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? They, you got, yeah. you have to keep track of when that game goes out of rotation. Hopefully they yeah. put in like a, 
especially for the RPGs, put in like a warning because there's probably a lot of people just downloading games and not checking gaming news sites. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Yeah, there's a game, there's um within Game Pass, it tells you which games are leaving soon and all that stuff. And when you sign up for Game Pass, you do get um you get a discount for any game that's featured on Game Pass. So if you are interested in buying something from them, at least I think you'll get something like 10 to 20% off of any game that's available on Game Pass. Okay. If you have an active subscription to that. I do, and I don't use it enough, but I have it. But yeah, it's mm -hmm. like, instead of owning some things, rent mm -hmm. all the things. I mean, that's yeah. how I do things, man. That's how I do my music on Apple Music and everything. But I feel... I feel a little weird about it for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I feel like other than this shit in this room, I don't own any physical media. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's just such a weird thing. Cause like I would, I would like to own more physical media. I would, but physical media is not, it's not as permanent as I think people would like to believe. You know, right. I had, I had a whole bunch of books. Um, I used to love these as kids, as a kid, I would get, um, these like Disney, um, comic strip collections. So yeah. it was like a whole Donald duck thing from newspapers or something in the forties and fifties. And I loved those books. <laughs> I would go back and read them. And I had like some old Dick Tracy stuff and I left it because when I went to Japan, I needed someone to hold on to it for me. I didn't have any, I wasn't going to carry all those books over with me. Right. Yeah. I gave them to my sister. She put them up in her garage and the garage caught fire. Yeah. Uh, you know, I never saw those books again. That or sucks, if there man. had been a flood, you know, like it's just there. The the physical stuff is there, right? But it's also not impervious to damage or anything. You could also be dealing yeah. with bit rot. So like I have PlayStation 1 games. They're pretty old now. And I don't know. There could be bit rot going on for some of them. I've, yeah. I've tried to look into this and it's kind of like, we can't really predict when it'll happen, but okay. you can't, you cannot have faith in the permanence of any physical medium. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's so, true. It's kind of a weird thing. It's, it's kind of like play it while you got it, but I don't have enough time to do that for everything. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, man. I have like a billion games and, uh, only play a handful, <laughs> you know, Yeah, that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, this has been enlightening for me. Uh, thank you. I, I hadn't realized my I, attention. I yeah. I hadn't realized. So yeah, folks, you know, if you're listening, um, you know, think about it, think, think long and hard about it, you know, and make decisions accordingly. So there might be something where you say, I, I have this digitally, um, but I'm a little concerned and, when something goes on sale, maybe I'll grab it uh, cheaper in physical form. You know, you might not get the most up-to-date version if you try to come back later and the service is not available. But yeah, it's right. pretty complex. It's a complex future we're living in. Uh, I mean, I suspected as much, but I can't believe they would just take away games from people. That's the most, that's the most, like you spent the full price on it if it was a cartridge, if it was a CD. So which is also mm -hmm. ridiculous. They shouldn't be 60 bucks, but maybe with inflation, maybe they are 60 bucks digital now, but if that's <laughs> it, but the, at any rate, they can't be the same price, physical and digital, whatever it is. Um, 
It's just it's it's one of those things where like if they know they're beholden still to a lot of brick and mortar uh, retail stores, and if if right. the digital marketplace is going to under uh, undercut the brick and mortar stores, then the brick and mortar stores have no reason to carry those physical media anymore, right? So they'd be losing out on the big sellers like Walmart, uh, Best Buy, GameStop, because they they'd just be sell like, well, Funkos. Well, but Game, GameStop's another, oof, uh, they're ridiculous. They yeah. have the key to success and they just ignore it because they're a bunch of schmucks. But that's a whole other yeah. story. I agree. Yeah. I, I never, dude, I was never got on the GameStop train so much because I was always into my software, et cetera, growing up. And they were bought <laughs> out and they died or whatever. But that yeah. was my store growing up. And I even recorded an interview of the um, the store owner when I was a kid like mm-hmm. four or five years ago on superhero stuff. You should know podcast there. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring that one over to here because it makes more sense now. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's how close we were. He came over to our house. We played with my brothers and him. We played star Fox 64, you know, <laughs> like it was, it was a good old time. Nineties, the nineties were great, but um, yeah, GameStop yeah. felt so impersonal, man. Software Etc. was like more mom and pop shop ish, but I guess that's it. Uh, I'm going to probably get more physical media uh, after this conversation, man. I don't know. Like <laughs> maybe, maybe the ultimate decision is to go is shell out the money for both digital and, and physical. That's it's, it's something I've done a couple of times, you know, I've, yeah. it's very rare that I do that, but yes, I have said, you know, I'm getting the digital one because I need that for convenience. This is really how I'm likely to experience the product, but I end up loving it. And then I keep an eye out. And when I see it go on sale physically, I'm like, all right, I want to grab that. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Just, just in case, you know? Right. All right. Well, let us know what you thought about this in the, everybody. Uh, Any other parting thoughts before we're out of here, Mike? Yeah. So just, Whatever you're doing uh, in terms of digital purchases, you might want to review the terms of service. Uh, that goes for music, that goes for movies, that goes for whatever. Is I'm pretty sure it's standard across the board, whatever it may be. Whatever you've paid for digitally, you don't actually own. So just <laughs> consider that. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody, and we will catch you later. Peace. Peace.